Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is Anthony Manicone from Pump Pizza Pub in Mattydale. Uh, I'm excited to have Anthony on. Uh, he was gracious enough to come in pretty quickly to do this podcast last week, and, you know, Anthony is part of that old school restaurant owners that I really want to get into and interview some of the people who have been involved in the industry since the 90s. Um, which I realize doesn't sound like it's that long ago, but you know, 20, 30 years in the restaurant industry. And Anthony is definitely that guy and had a variety of different places. So I'm really thrilled that I was able to have him on today. And I hope that you enjoy our conversation. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about something terrible that happened last week. Actually, yeah, it just happened, I don't know, Thursday or Friday. Now, in full disclosure, I, as many of you know, handle the marketing for a variety of restaurants in town. It's part of the business here at Eat Local New York. Uh, Anthony Pump Pizza is actually one of our clients, and... Uh, in case you think that what I'm about to say is just bashing a competitor, um, another client is Danny's Steaks uh, in downtown. Um, on Friday, Gino's Steaks out in Fayetteville, who has been known to post some pretty outlandish things on for their Facebook posts, decided to follow suit and make a post about uh, an, a customer that was a bit unruly. Uh, you can go on Facebook and find it and find the post. It, it's it, I'm, I'd be surprised if you hadn't heard about it happening yet because the post had about 4,500 comments on it, which is just rather insane for a local business's Facebook post. In the post, they claimed that a customer came in early to get her takeout order, that she showed up early demanding her food. When they told her, you're early, it's not ready yet, she was just being a pain in the ass. And then 30 seconds after the food was supposed to be done, or 60 seconds, she started to throw a fit and claim, I'm so-and-so from such-and-such such a place, you know, yada, yada, yada. She went up storming out and allegedly breaking their chalkboard sign on the way out. And Gino's decided to that it was acceptable to not only post that story, which whatever, um, you know, I, I work for clients and we have people, you know, not just not too long ago. We had a, a restaurant where the owner called me while the customer was still in the restaurant having dinner and said, just as a heads up, I know this is going to get a bad review. The woman's just being a jerk. She's treating the staff really poorly. And um, I just want to give you the heads up that when we get it, you know, this is what it is. And so, sure enough, the, the, this situation for my client, the woman posted a bad review. We already knew that it wasn't true, that she was just, you know, frankly, just being a jackass. And so we commented back and said, look, you're not welcome back in the restaurant. You treated our staff like shit or very poorly. You treated the owner who came out to try and make things right very poorly. And, we, you know, we just don't want you in our restaurant. And shortly thereafter, that customer actually deleted her bad review, which was great. Um, and so, and, and, and customers, I will say, it feels like since the pandemic, since COVID-19 has kicked in, it does seem like customers, like there's more jerk customers out there. People are posting more negative reviews, I feel like, than they have in previous years. 
And just overall, everyone is on their own little soapbox witch, soapbox witch hunt to and, and witch hunt to try and uh, you know tackle injustice, whether it come in the form of uh, police brutality or too much ketchup on your cheeseburger. Uh, unfortunately, that's the world that we're living in today. And so I can understand Gino's posts, and they've done it in the past, and I think those posts, while uh, I think those posts are great. I think Gino's, in terms of what they've done with their social media and, and getting engagement, it should be applauded. I mean, top-notch work. Unfortunately, they, in my opinion, they crossed the line when they called this woman out with her first and last name and then also said where she works. Now, let's just say that everything happened the way that it did, that the customer was unruly. They were being beyond, you know, they were being the epitome of a Karen and that this customer did break their chalkboard sign. Let's just assume that all of that's true. Uh, there's plenty of other ways to get back at this customer or to get your chalkboard sign paid for, especially when you knew where she worked, than you going on social media and posting her first and last name and the name of her employer. Um, but there have been people that have defended this customer on Facebook saying that, in fact, these things did not happen the way that Geno's uh, claimed that they did. Though the chalkboard sign wasn't damaged and that it wasn't this big of a deal. And they said that Geno's actually called the customer twice before they even made this post and um, never mentioned the chalkboard sign or anything like that. Uh, and so what's happened and what's what's even more disgusting to me than the restaurant posting this woman's first and last name and where she works, what's even more disgusting to me is the amount of people in this community who then went and found this woman on social media. They found her LinkedIn profile and her Facebook profile and screenshotted it and posted it in the comments and said, we found her. And then the other people that were finding her home address and posting that. And then the other people that were going on to the, her employer's Facebook page and posting negative reviews, leaving negative recommendations for the business as a result of it. People, we live in a small community here in central New York. I know Eat Local New York, where we promote restaurants all over the state. And, I, you know, we're based here in Syracuse, so this is what we focus on. The majority of it is central New York. But... We live in central New York. We are a small community, a few hundred thousand people, small enough that the local food, you know, drive support local is such an important big deal to us. Um, we talk a lot about our neighbors who own businesses and support local and da 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 da. This is absolutely abhorrent behavior, absolutely disgusting. This is things that happen in, like, Los Angeles and New York City, big cities where people are nameless and faceless. They should not happen here in central New York. To think that there are people so stupid, so ugly, um, that lack such little, that lack such moral integrity that they would post this woman's personal information online like this, it's a single mother. This is a single mother who is now being attacked on social media. In my opinion, what, what, what proves to me that this is not right now, not accurate. Now, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe, maybe the restaurant has 
uh, security camera footage, and they show exactly 100% of everything happening the way that they said it didn't. And if it is, shame on this customer. Still don't post her personal information online, but shame on this customer. So let's just assume... Uh, let's just assume here that that is true. Well, okay. Make the post. Don't mention her name, whatever the case is. But what says to me that this is not true, that it did not happen, and that the restaurant is doing this just as a marketing ploy to get attention, which it worked, is the fact that they started running an Instagram, and I'm also assuming a Facebook ad, although I only saw the sponsored post on Instagram, that they started running a paid Instagram ad at the end of the day, after it had already received three, 4,000 comments. A business does not do that unless this is a marketing ploy. If the intention of the business was just to bring attention to this customer who did something so bad and to try and track her down so they could get their sign you know, uh, paid for to get repaired, they achieved that in the first hour of this post. Why they run a paid ad that was not triggered until the end of the day after thousands of people had shared it and commented and liked that post tells me that this is false, that this is fake, that this did not happen the way that they claim it did. Now, there's three sides of every story. There's his and there's hers and there's the truth, and I understand that. And again, what makes me so disgusted is that we have so that I personally know small restaurant restaurant owners that own small businesses and others, other people that I'm friends with that were sharing this post on Facebook. Shame on all of you. What makes me disgusted is that others were posting this the screenshot of this woman's Facebook page, her profile, and, and leaving reviews. Shame on all of you. We are a small local community. You do you should not be attacking a member of that community. Online, in person, whatever. We're not this isn't we're not talking about, you know, <laughs> committing crimes. We're talking about upstanding people who should know better. Shame on you. This is absolutely awful. If this woman treated the staff so poorly, if she did break the sign, should she have to pay for the sign? Should she have to apologize? Yes, for sure. Should her personal information be posted on Facebook, online, for thousands of people to see when she has a little girl at home? Should her job be in jeopardy because of this? Not in the slightest. And to those of you that think it, it should, then just get ready. Because one day, this culture, this mob is going to come after you for something that you do in the heat of the moment. Behavior or action that you take that you aren't proud of. One day, the mob is going to come after you. And man, you're not going to think it's pretty pretty when that happens. Uh, so... To all of you that were sharing this on Instagram with the hashtag FindRebecca, shame on all of you. Man, I am I am not very proud to be a member of this community right now. And I surely, surely, surely hope that other restaurants do not start doing the same or similar behaviors. Well, with all that being said, <laughs> let's get into my conversation. Let's promote a local business owner 
and applaud him for the risks that he's taken and the work that he's doing. So here's my conversation with Anthony from Pump Pizza Pub. I just don't, uh, you know, it's, I'm kind of this way if anybody, any, if anybody is really strongly in belief of one thing, I try to find a way to argue against them. Um, and so that's how I am when it can't, when it comes to like any food where people are like, it's the most authentic, like I'm helping out Danny steaks who opened up down here. And, uh, I mean, he had a crushing opening week, second week, they're still busy. Um, but let's just say that they were doing, they were doing, it was similar to when Tangy opened. I mean, it was, they were that busy. It was nuts. And, um, he was just getting all these idiots that were like, I went to Philly once. This is nothing like it, you know, or I used to live in New Jersey and, you know, they had Philly style cheesesteaks and this isn't anything like that. Just, you know, dumb people. It's like, dude. You know, so whenever somebody is claiming that it's like they're the most authentic uh, version of something or they're a, a copy, you know, I'm just like, no, there's no fucking way. So it was fun to fly to Chicago for a day and try all those pizzas and and uh, see what, it, you know, see what deep dish pizza. And we had the um, we had Gino's, we had Pequod's, which is like that cheese on the edge, like a Detroit style. And then we went to Peace, and that's like New Haven-style pizza. And that was really good. But, uh, yeah, man, none of the locals said that they ate deep dish, like real deep dish pizza. All of them were like, that's for tourists. We don't eat that stuff. Hmm. So it was pretty interesting. It was a lot of fun, though. It was just a long day. Yeah, we flew out at 6 in the morning and flew back at midnight. So running around just eating for... And we were only in the city for six hours, so we're, we were eating for six hours. <laughs> we weren't eating, then we were on our way to go eat. You know, so it was a lot. It was a long day. It's too much carbohydrates. Yeah, man, it was a lot. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's like, uh, you know, Teddy's in Rome. Yeah. I mean, they've won the most awards for uh, Utica, or for Chicken Riggies. Right. And there's black olives in their Chicken Riggies. Right. And you're not going to find black olives in any Riggies here in Syracuse. I don't make my black olives as well. You don't? No. But, uh, you know, you know, as we spoke earlier, yeah. um, and I learned, the first, the first guys I learned from to do Chicago pizza was really uh, deep dish. Chicago deep dish was uh, Pizzeria Uno. And yeah. And they were a couple guys that worked there from the 80s. Um, and then we just kind of refined and put a culinary flair to it yeah but it's no different than my greens or my chicken riggies you know you'd have people say well these don't taste like the ones in utica or right you know your chicken riggies you know you don't have mushrooms in them i said well i don't put mushrooms or some people don't even put heavy cream in them you know Mm. and some just use hot cherry peppers and a marinara sauce yeah so i looked at it always as is it right or wrong or do they taste good yeah I mean, when I go to a place, if it tastes good, that's right. I don't care how they made it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Some so. of my favorite 
uh, I'd say like top five favorite chicken rigs in town is the Brasserie, and they put banana peppers in there. So, right. But it's good. It gives it a know. whole different flavor. Yeah. 317 Montgomery Street, he puts um, deep fried jalapenos, pickled jalapenos on his. Right. You know, so everybody's different. Um, but, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've learned over the years of posting on social media for Eat Local that everybody's got a different fucking flavor. Yeah, everybody yeah. has a different taste. And uh, it's rare to find, to post about something and say it's really good that everybody agrees on. And, Anthony, let's be realistic. Your palate may be different than mine. I may like a lot more spice than you do. Yeah, for so sure. So yeah. you may go into a place that doesn't use a lot of spice or doesn't use spice at all in their riggies. Right. And, you, and you're going, like, these are terrible. Yeah. Well, you don't like them because they don't have spice, but I won't even eat them if they're not spicy. Yeah. You know, I have to watch what I actually do for the normal consumer. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, what I personally like is totally different than what I actually sell, because what I sell, I think, is is more along the lines of what people would want. I just had, so we're doing a new video series where I ask a chef or an owner at a restaurant what their favorite dish is at a different restaurant. So it started Limp Lizard, then went to Kasai Ramen, and then the chef at Kasai Ramen said, you got to go to the if you got to try their chicken milanese. Right. <laughs> it was fucking awful. It was so bad. It was right. really bad. Um, I don't mind saying that because I know that none of them listen to this podcast. But well, it's uh, funny. It's probably the easiest dish to do. So I don't even know how they could have screwed that up. It, we went. We did go for lunch, you know. So whatever. But uh, it was just like it was. It was way overcooked. The chicken was. Right, it was right. really dense. Yeah. The risotto was really just cheesy but rice. But again, just as we talked about, it, it, you know, being in the culinary field. Some of the stuff, it's not necessarily, you know, the actual how you put it together. It's it's making it properly. Right. You know, our dough, you know, like, you know, we've been, we, we make our own dough specifically for Chicago yeah. Deep Dish Pizza. Right. It's totally different than New York. So hmm. if you're starting with a product that doesn't fit that description of what you're looking for, it's going to be hard. No different than if you're making chicken riggies and you're overcooking the pasta. Yeah. You know, you're using a lousy tomato to start with. Right. You know, and these are things that can make your product to be bad. Yeah, from the start. So it, you know, does Chicago dough have to ferment as long as like New York style? Not, not as much. Not no. as much. Not as much. It's so dense. Is it's, that it's why? A, it stays dense. Yeah, and it gets that flakiness. You, as you yeah. note, noted before, um, that you're not getting out of a New York dough. Right. So people ask if we put we put liquid butter right in our dough. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's a little different of a dough to start with. So you're not going to have that same complex style of doughs are completely different. Yeah. You know, hmm. so, how, so is it like one day, well, one day for men or do you have to go longer? Oh yeah. 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 We go less than that. Yeah. And we start panning it up and then, you know, leave them up, leave them up top of the oven to rise. Uh, we push them out a little bit, leave them again to rise. So there, there's a lot of work involved in it. Yeah. Um, but the ending product is, like I said, it's a different product. For you sure. either like Chicago Deep Dish or you don't. Some right. people don't even like it. Yeah. Um, yeah, my wife doesn't really care for it too right. much just because she doesn't want anything that heavy. But I do get some people that said they wouldn't eat a deep dish or a Chicago Deep Dish and then end up really liking it. Yeah. And it may be because they've gotten used to eating like 
a Sicilian pizza here or something mm. in, in Syracuse that they never liked that density. And this has a whole different flavor in the dough. Yeah. Because what I find is that people actually like eating the, the crust on this pizza versus mm. maybe on like a Sicilian or something because it's a completely yeah. different flavor. Yeah, for sure. You know. Hmm. I was getting, I got really into making pizza at home during the first few months of the pandemic. And I bought one of the pizza steels, you know, you yeah. put in the oven. And yeah. I'd have that thing cranked up to 500 and then preheating for an hour. Right. And, but I, and I would do a, a thin dough that would ferment for three or four days, you know, and then I would make it. And it was a good pizza, but yeah. um, I always wanted to get like one of those portable uni or you know wood fired ovens right right gas fired ovens right just to get up to 900 degrees and see what it would do with it but uh but it's i mean it's addictive to try and get yeah something like that perfected it takes a lot of, i mean the new york style we've been at it for years we had da vinci's pizza downtown whereas now is nick's tomato pie that was ours oh is that where it was back in the mid 90s wow uh, 96 up through 2001 i think we were there um hmm. and uh very successful built our other restaurant and nightclub out of it okay um but uh so that we already had so when we when we went to open up take the old woodies and change it over and really that happened due to covid yeah it was kind of a it was a blessing and a curse at the same time because I'm working every day now. Um, the other place, I didn't really have to work that hard because we were serving chicken wings and tenders and right. slinging drinks. Yeah. It's a different mentality. Yeah. Um, this I have a lot more passion for, Yeah. but it takes a lot more work. And to get the staffing for it is, as you yeah. know, this day and age is yeah. it's, it's complicated to get people that really want to come in and do this. And I don't blame it. It's, it's, it's hard work. Yeah. You know, sure. kitchen, you, you have to really appreciate it. If you yeah. don't like this business, it's an ugly business to be in. Mm -hmm. It really is. So when did you first get started or how did you first get started in restaurants? Well, I got started. Well, I did it when I was a kid in the eighties. I my, actually, my first job was friendlies. Oh, really? So more corporate and stuff. Hmm. So I like that fast pace because I was a make person, the ice cream guy in okay. the window at Liverpool on 57. Hmm. So it was a busy spot. Yeah. And you had to be fast. And we had a ball. I, one of my good friends to this day, we worked together in the window. So we hmm. had a ball. And uh, it was almost like a comedy show because we kind of abused the customers and had fun with them at the same time serving ice cream. Um, and stayed with it and then worked at, you know, without mentioning names, a local pizza shop in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. And then got out of it after a while. You know, I d didn't do it. It wasn't something I was going to, I thought I would ever get back into. Yeah. And um, it just happened. Army Square started coming around mm. uh, in the early 90s. And uh, we're looking at a spot and I go, you know what? That'd be a great spot for a shop. And now... Mm. There was uh, the, I guess you would call it a sports bar. I can't, I can't even remember the name. Across the street from me, uh, I can't even remember the name There's of it. There's the hop spot that's over there? Oh, or the there? Empire was below it, and then uh, oh. above it was... Uh, PJ oh Dorsey's. PJ Dorsey's. PJ yeah. uh, So with all that traffic kind of migrating to that side, hmm. and it was a little early on, but we took that spot and rehabbed it all, and it was an old... Uh, bakery anyway oh, was it? yeah huh. uh 
if I recall, it was like an organic bakery. Hmm. Um, and uh, she had closed, so it was kind of had a the bones of being a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, we had to rehab it all, but it was a start of something. Hmm. And uh, when we moved down there, and uh, the traffic started slowly but surely going to that side, and uh, we had lines till three, four in the morning. Hmm. Wow. We used to call it the only place to get a slice of pizza and a fist fight to go. <laughs> you still can. I was, I, yeah, you still can down it. I like Nick's tomato pie. Every time yeah. I, I don't go in there often, but when I do, I always, right. I'm like, why the fuck do I not, do I not come down here more, more often? But, um, cause really in, in downtown, that's the only place to get pizza. Right. I mean, you have to go up to James street or down West Genesee right. street to go to one of the OIPs. Right. right. You know, if you're going to get a slice. And uh, yeah, there's nothing in Armory Square. I don't think. No, correct? there used to be. What was there? There used to be something. Slices used to be down there years back. Okay, there was something. More. There was something after that. I don't yeah. even recall what it was called, but it was on the other side. I think it was next to uh, another bar. Uh, uh, it was on Fayette Street, if I recall. Hmm. Which I think is oh. now a Chinese restaurant. Oh, that is a Chinese restaurant? I think it's a Chinese restaurant. Charlie's Pizza was there for like a month, and then, you know, they closed up. A pizza, you can go get pizza, but it's not a slice. You know, it's great pizza. But, um, you know, if you just want either like a late night slice or just a quick slice to go, Nick's is the place. But I was going down there like a month ago, and I parked a block up, and I was walking down. I'm on the phone with my wife. And I, I look down, and there's this homeless dude sitting outside, right, like literally right next to the door, right. just screaming his head off at no one. <laughs> and uh, I'm on the phone with my wife. She's like, what's that noise? It's like, that's where I was about to go for dinner. Uh, I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, so that was, that's pretty wild. So 96, I was talking to Karen from Possibilities, who – about yeah. when they went in, and I forget what year it was. She's been down there, I think, since the 80s. Yeah. Not necessarily in that particular spot. Yeah. But I think she was over. They used to be in the state building? Yeah. Or over by there? Right around there, yeah. yeah. So she's, I mean, she's spent a lot of time down there. Yeah. You know? And to hear her talk about what Armory was back then. Yeah. You know, uh, especially when they first moved in. It was like, you know, factories and a bunch yeah. of empty buildings. Um it's wild for me to think how much Syracuse has changed just in the six years that I've been doing this, mm-hmm. how much Armory Square in downtown has changed. But, I, you know, over the past not that long ago, 20, 30 years, you know, 30 years, how mm-hmm. much it's changed from hearing people's stories of what it used to be like. Yeah, there's, there's been – I mean, it's great because the residential has obviously increased down there. Yeah. My concerns are how many people are going to be able to support staying there with this pandemic going you know, yeah. you're paying big rents and yeah and it's, it's if you can't see people or yeah service people you right know, i guess it all depends on how friendly your landlords are yeah you know well i mean you know you got to think of the biggest employers in syracuse are i don't know if i think upstate might be the biggest and then it's asked you or it's right. you know that's one and two right and those are big salaries yeah um you're not working you know you're not, I'm sure most of the jobs there have really big salaries. And, right. you know, probably some of the millionaires or yeah. people that, you know, live out in Fayetteville and whatnot, but are out in the yeah. suburb. But a lot of them live downtown. But there's so many, I mean, uh, there's just, there's a lot more business down here. 
Yeah. Over the last year, I've noticed a big change in the people that I see walking around downtown Syracuse. Mm-hmm. It, it's, I, I feel silly saying this all the time, but uh, um, it, it's like walking around. Like I see people walking around that I, I look and I'm like, I've seen you on a YouTube video. Like, you belong in New York City or you look like somebody from Los Angeles. Right. And, you know, these are people that are now living in downtown Syracuse, which is wild. It's changed a lot, you know, right, since the right. pandemic. Um, I know a lot of people moved to the area from downstate New York City and spots yeah. like that, you know, because it was cheaper and now they can work anywhere. Well, it's, it's funny you say that because I've met a few people that have moved back here yeah. because of the pandemic because they can work anywhere now. Right. I mean, they, they, they were forced to work out of their homes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people decided to move out of those. You know, I, I've met plenty of people that moved out of New York City yeah. to move up into these areas. Yeah. So. It's cheaper. Yeah. You can do your job anywhere for, for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So you had Da Vinci's until 96. And then where did you go from there? We opened up a nightclub, Velvet Underground. Okay. Um, which is now. Um, is that Ma- was that Maxwell's? And, and World Martini Bar. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, we actually built World on. The release of of um, Velvet Underground because the longevity in nightclubs is a few years. If you get three, four years mm-hmm. out of them, um, sold it and then opened up World Martini Bar. Okay. And World was just a smaller version, a little more loungy. Yeah. Con- controllable crowd. Hmm. And then uh, there was sp- spots available on that whole strip, so I ended up opening up Anthony's Pasta Bar. Okay. Um, and uh, that was all right in Hanover, right in Hanover. Yeah. And uh, it was great. Uh, it was busy. The only issue I was having is having to see my I had twin daughters hmm. and uh, I wasn't spending any time with them because I literally had to work every day. Yeah. I couldn't take a night off because the day I'd say I'd take the night off. Somebody was texting me or calling me. I got 10 people coming. There. I got 15 people coming. In. You know, you're going to be there. Right. And what was I going to say? No. You know, <laughs> so uh, it was great. And then. Uh, me and a friend of mine decided, like, he wanted in. I said, well, I don't want to do this restaurant thing. It's too much work. I mm. said, let's change it. That's when we changed it to Maxwell. We met from Peter, who owns it today. Mm. Um, so we opened it up. We put a wood-fired oven in, and then we had the mm. pub side. And uh, he's doing well with it, just leaving it as uh, basically an event room. Yeah. And uh, I actually just spoke to him today. Mm. Um, but... Uh, so it was Velvet and World Martini Bar on yeah. the same space? No, Velvet was where now Studio 54 was. Oh, okay. It was a really... We, we built a big Alice in Wonderland kind of hmm. nightclub. It had big velvet, leopard skin, and hmm. animal print furniture. Hmm. And then we went antiquing and finding a bunch of... It's kind of similar to your chairs you have here, but with the antique arms and stuff. Oh, cool. And put them all in velvet animal prints and stuff huh. so it was really kind of it was 99 2000 and yeah. it was kind of funky for syracuse yeah very sexy i mean yeah. it was it was hot hmm. it was hot it was a fun crowd it was there was it was a big place and it was a good mix of people because you could be 21 and 71 nobody really hmm. saw the difference in clientele like 
you know, you, if you go into some of these bars now, it's like, oh, my God, everybody's here. I don't even think they're 21, <laughs> you know. So it's not even they're 31 or 41. They're just, you know, I may have gotten older, but yeah. these kids are young. Yeah. And they're all young. Well, this was a place, you know, without mentioning names, they were all business owners and stuff. And that was a time when there was still a lot of these business owners out and going out. And yeah. they were a little older. Um, so they mixed into the crowd well. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Hmm. Um, it, it, was, it was a good time. Yeah. So so, uh, so Anthony's Pasta Bar. And then where from there? After that, I, I took a little hiatus. I took kind of a couple of years off. And I actually had a wine bar in Orlando. Um, oh, really? And what was that like? Which was great. Yeah, uh, I thought it was. I was. <laughs> I had a great spot right in the middle of the city of Orlando. A very good friend of mine actually owns it now from Syracuse, hmm. who who lives in Orlando. Oh wow. Um, but what happened is I came here to, to Syracuse, kind of help out a buddy of mine with Woody's at the time. Mm. Um, with licensing and stuff, I, uh, I, I facilitate liquor licenses. Yeah. And uh, I was helping him do some work because he was selling it to someone, and then the deal fell through. And uh, while I was working with him, I said, well, you know, this is, seems easy enough. It's not going to be that hard. I don't really have to work. It's a drinking bar. Um, I took it over, and, and it was all right. It was a little different than what I was used to, a little rougher than I was used to. Um, so, what is yeah, yeah, so I spent some time cleaning up the crowd, yeah. let's just say. And and I did get a I've told these stories about what is on the podcast before, so <laughs> feel free to yeah, say no, it. Was, it, was, it was different than what, you know, put it this way. It was the first time I've ever been hit with a bottle over the head. It took me plenty of years to get to that point. Um, that's hilarious. I realize that's why I hire bouncers now. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was different than what I was used to. That's why I was saying it was kind of... We did get it going pretty well, and we were bringing bands in. We had the outdoor patio bar with uh, music on the deck. We put a stage in the back. But by the time we kind of got it rolling, this COVID came into play. Yeah. And I spent that whole season being kind of closed. We tried to open as Woody's Takeout, but you know, under that label, nobody was... Right. How do you brand a place that you know is basically known for getting drunk and picking somebody up and getting a fight in a parking lot. Yeah. You know, or dragging somebody out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. So, you know, they allowed us to open in the summer with this summer patio bar, which we did pretty well because we were one of the few places that had an actual physical bar out on their patio in that area, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as well as like the retreat does. So we did pretty well that summer hmm. when fall came in, we had to shut down by 10 o'clock. Mm. And, you know, there just wasn't enough, you know, and that has a good-sized kitchen, a good-sized space. That, you, you know, you have to generate some revenue to really pay for those bills to keep that place afloat on just booze yeah. when you're, and you're closing by 10. Right. It's not your normal little small neighborhood bar. Yeah. So in the fall, I think we got into September, and I was like, this is just not going to work. Hmm. I said, we have to re do this rebrand it as much as enough my friend tiger came back into town because of his mother uh getting ill and he had to help her out and he was in the pizza business with me and he's like why don't we bring this pizza thing because he wanted to do you know people always ask us where did you get the name pump mm -hmm. uh, yeah, considering that once they know that i'm cooking it's like well i don't understand you do all this italian food why is it pump right the originally um 
in Florida, all the, and he was living in Florida, all the pizza is lousy. Hmm. So we wanted to make pizza for the gas stations mm. and, the, and supply the stations, kind of like we have here uh. in Syracuse, and they don't really do that there. Yeah. There's a couple places, your 7-Elevens, but it's lousy. So we're putting this hmm. kind of thing together where it was going to be called Pump Pizza yeah. into their gas stations. So that's kind of how the name came into play here. So what would, you know, because I had something different in mind, uh, a little more Italianate because if we were going to put it in with thing. But I wasn't against it. I said, well, if you want to do it that way, I don't care. Because I kind of was saying, like, I want you more involved in this. You do more of this, <laughs> this pizza thing, you know? Yeah. What happens is once we're in it, I'm a, kind of an aggressive guy. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to work it now. You know, it's, <laughs> we built an animal that I didn't expect to happen. And we're not finding the staff to fill yeah. my place. Um, yeah. So that's why I end up working seven days a week or minimum six. But that's where the name came into play and how the changes had to be made. And it, it, it's been good that we've made those changes because, you know, when I go to work now, I can come out and talk to people and go, you know what, how do you like your food? Or right. how's everything over here? Where before, you know, it was funny because one of, one of my servers would say, you know, you never came in and just talked to people when it was Woody's. I said, well, it really did, I really didn't feel it. I didn't, didn't really have much in common with a guy that shows up at two o'clock in the afternoon to get drunk. <laughs> you know, it's not my guys. <laughs> you know, how much respect? I mean, if you did it once in a while, I get it. But yeah. when you come every single day to get drunk at a right. bar, you know, that's why I just went to back check on them and I leave. You know, my favorite stories from Woody's were um, the one. Uh, Tommy called me one. It was either like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, and he started by saying. Listen, something might happen. You might see us get tagged on social media. Technically, nobody was murdered here at Woody's. <laughs> I was like, what? what? Um, and then. Or the same was truly didn't happen in my place. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then the other. And it was a fight that had started there. And then it did lead down 81 yeah. where they shot the guy on while he was yeah. driving his fucking car on 81. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know if you remember the Duke basketball player, Grayson Allen. Yeah, of course. So he would, he was known for like flagrantly intentionally tripping people and the kick. Yeah. Yeah. So when they were playing Syracuse, when Duke was playing at Syracuse, I did still to this day, my best social media thing ever. (laughs) We did every time Grayson Allen tripped a player for on SU, it was a dollar shot. Everybody was drunk. Then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was, you know, I think today this was that was like one of my yeah. spur of the moment. You know, we right, put right. it out the. It can't, I thought of it like the day of. <laughs> right. And right. Uh, yeah, Woody's was a was a wild place, man. I used to go in there and try and get pictures. Like you know, hey, I'll hang out and get pictures like during service one night. <laughs> that yeah. was such a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. What I, service? Yeah. <laughs> it was like a Western. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I ran in. Well, there is one. I, I know Tommy doesn't listen to this. So uh, I was in there one night. Tommy, listen. <laughs> I was in there one night and Tommy was Tommy was cooking. Yeah. And so I was hanging out like on that one side, you know, on the other side of the yeah. fryer. Just hanging out, talking to Tommy. They were pretty busy. And I was just trying to get pictures of the food as he was yeah, right. right before. And he was over there. Um like taking cash for the orders, right, you know, right. putting in his pocket. And right. I'm thinking to myself, 
Is this what the life of a restaurant owner yeah, is? Yeah. That you've got to sell, sell the fucking wings. Sell the wings to get the cash to pay yourself. Yeah, right, right. You know. Um, but I ran into Stacy not too long ago, yeah. over the summer, I think, at uh, um, the Green Lakes, Brian's Landing. Or, yeah. What's Yards. Yards. Yards Grow. Yeah. And uh, I ran into Stacy. And, you know, she, Stacy was my first... At Olay Olay was the f- my first social media client oh, really? six years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I started this with a partner of mine. We both worked at Metro Mattress during the day. And, you know, at that job, you worked nine to 11 hours a day selling beds. You made a, a great living. Yeah. But your job sucked because it was retail hours. Right. You'd sit there for, you know, nine, 10, 11 hours a day. And, and you might only work for an hour. You right. make you could make a thousand bucks a day, right. but you only worked for an hour. The rest of the time you're sitting there, right. you know, twiddling your thumb. So we started the social media business based on just being bored. And Stacy was our first client, our first restaurant client. Mm-hmm. So and then we were with her until she sold to Lenny. Um, so you marketing Woody's as well or just her at LA? About halfway through working with Stacy. I went over and started also he started working with yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I started working with Tommy. Yeah. And then when he sold to you, we stopped and yeah. oh, we were with the market I was with Tony at the market yeah. diner for a while. Now did it you did you have a place with Tony? Yeah, we were out in Fable together. Okay. Um and me actually me and Tony were gonna do that together because we were buying out my buddy mm. and uh, he had done <clears throat> he had taken over the regional market. Yeah. So I ended up getting rid of that because we actually, our intentions were to do it together and stay there. Okay. Um, hmm. We had a ball then. Yeah. That was when Tony was still partying. Yeah. He liked his Jack and Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let anybody know that. <laughs> um, uh, I li- Tony's great. I've, I've been with him, the, you know, f- I think five years now doing his stuff. And... Um, uh, back when I still smoked cigarettes and back when he was in the diner every single day, right. I would go in there, you know, and have breakfast and then go for a meeting in the office and right. sit there and, you know, chain smoke cigarettes in yeah. that tiny little office and, you know, drink <laughs> coffee and <laughs> and talk about social media numbers. It was mm-hmm. like that was like the highlight of my week. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's I couldn't imagine the restaurant industry back in like the late nineties, early two thousands. I have to imagine it was probably a pretty amazing time to own a restaurant. I think it, you know, the, the one thing that you have today that you didn't have then was the social media. Yeah. So you were using new times. Yeah. You know, guerrilla marketing, like I'm posting flyers on, you know, posts and coffee shops. And I still remember putting bands in hmm. Fable and going to your Wegmans and hmm. Price Choppers and the coffee shops and posting stuff on, yeah, you know, Bullet put board. your sandwich board outside. They hmm. wouldn't allow me to put us, you know, I'm looking at, uh, what is it, the Italian restaurant out there, the chain, Carabas. Oh, yeah. They got plants on top of their building with neon and stuff. And I'm allowed to put this little sign up that says Amore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I'm getting a fight with the village. Yeah. Them tell me you can't put any more signage up because you only allow that. I said, well, when I look out my window, <laughs> it looks like Vegas to the, you yeah. know? And they're saying, well, that's the town and you're the village. Well, 
you know, they're a block away from me. Right. I said, I'm here. I'm your. I'm living here. The money is spent here. Yeah. My staff spends their money here. That money goes back to Texas. Yeah. Um, Were they open that long ago, yeah. Carabas? Wow. So they yeah. So they opened up, and I would put a sandwich board on top of my car because then they can't say it was a sign. <laughs> and I put it up. It was. I remember it was my buddy. Polly Valentino from Primetime. Hmm. I put my car up. I said, you know, Primetime's playing here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was at that light. Huh. So people, you know, it was my best form of marketing. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't like we do today. Right. As yeah. much as people think, you, know, you, you had the internet, but it wasn't. Yeah, for, for sure. You know, we had Facebook and, yeah. you know, all these other outlets and this and, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, even from five years ago when I first started. Right. I mean, and, this, I, and this can be good and bad. I mean, you get yeah. some people like, let's be, let's be real, you know. You, 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 if you're argumentative, right. if you're a person that really takes a lot of stuff personal, I, I find myself, you know, sometimes somebody says something and I have to keep my mouth shut. And, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, I have to, I mean. Then yes. I have to look at who the source is and sometimes I'll right. even look at that source. What do they know that I don't know? Yeah. And then I look at it as somebody that, I really can't take that serious. Right. You know? Yeah, people can be complete assholes on social media. The biggest thing that I've like, I've realized from it is that these, these are things that people were saying all along. It's just social media gives you the opportunity to hear right. them. You know? Um, you know, but, yeah, I mean, listen, even, like I said, five, five years ago when I started with Tony, he was still, we were advertising in the Post Standard every week, and it was working. Yeah. Now today it wouldn't work. Um, I, I don't even know my. I think my parents only wants to get this. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think I just saw it was like five something for a Sunday paper. Oh yeah, it's expensive. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I'm thinking that the less more less people are reading that and actually charging more. I know. Yeah. But, they. Yeah. I think I got it on the on Thanksgiving. It was over ten bucks. I think a paper. You know, on Thanksgiving morning with all the Black Friday sales in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But uh, no, it's changed a lot. I mean, listen, when I when I was doing that for Tony in the beginning, we he was the market diner was one of the first to do Facebook ads in Syracuse for a restaurant. Yeah. Now everybody's doing them. Um, you know. And I used to see that, and I used to say like, you know, Tony's out there. Yeah. He's getting his name out there. Um, and I always gave that credit to Tony because Tony was always more a market guy, and right. not only a really good chef, but he yeah. really. Put his time and he felt like he spent his money on the marketing side of it. Yeah. You know, he's one of, he's definitely an owner who knows yeah. where every penny is, yeah. um, what it was going towards, every penny that's coming in. I mean, yeah. he's on top of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's pretty wild to see that. And then I meet some people who it's like, who trusted you with a fucking loan to open a restaurant? Yeah. You know? Like, who on earth let you out of your parents' house? And how are you now responsible for a fucking business? Right, you know? yeah. I mean, I just ran into one of them today, and to hear them talk, it's like, dear God. Yeah. Somebody gave you more than $100,000. Well, and then they don't think they have to do anything. They put this money, and then all of a sudden they think they're going to be successful the day they open the door. When the day, it's like peeling on you. When you open the doors, it gets worse. It doesn't get better. You may get business. <laughs> But then you're constantly having to buy the food, put yeah. the staff together, uh, pay for all the bills now that you're operating. Right. So it's a whole different thing when you're closed. You say, okay, well, I'm 
until I get open, I'm just paying the rent and the utility bill. Yeah. Well, now you, you, you know, the floodgates open up on, you, yeah. you know, and you've got to, hmm. you know, perform. Yeah. Every you know. fucking day. Yeah. So, you don't get time off in that, in that shit. You know, and people ask, well, you can, can you get a day off? I said, yeah, I can. But payroll is not cheap anymore. It's not like, you know, it's gone up so high that I have to look at, can I afford to put the person there that night? I'm mm. like, I'll just go in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then I know it's being done right. So, right. You know, right now we've got a nucleus of people that I can really trust that are doing a good job. Yeah. But that's it. Right. It's not like I've, you know, I've got a deep bench. There's no deep bench. Right. You know. Hmm. What's the, like, what are some of the things you've seen change over the last, you know, 30 years in the restaurant industry here? Really, the the social media stuff is yeah. is is important. Um, I mean that that's really a lot of the changes. But you know we're, now we're coming into a whole new phase of which this week obviously everybody knows that uh, styrofoam is becoming obsolete. So yeah. now we're in, we're supposed to be doing takeout. They want to they want to push the takeout obviously because they want. People getting together in restaurants, let's just right. say, that's the, you know, what we're trying to do here in New York. Yet, they haven't realized that there's a shortage of product. Right. And I'm not just feeling it. My suppliers are feeling it. I've, now I went to not even the local guys. I went national, and they're out of the stuff that we supposedly need here in New York. Yeah. So rather than, you know, I was talking about it to a supplier. He goes, this should have never been done like this. He was told, you know, basically the governor was saying, it's like, we've given you two years to get this right. Well, two years, we've been in a pandemic. Yeah. I said, and now you're trying to, people are trying to, are tapped out or stretching out. And now you're putting products that are two, possibly three times the amount of money yeah. to just put to take out. Yeah. Yeah, so it's expensive. We're already, you know, the margins are already tight, and then you do this to us. Yeah. You know? I gave Kristen the microphone tonight because uh, Kristen waved for the slide camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so Kristen. And she knows more about it than us. Right, exactly. <laughs> she's in the yeah, trenches. Kristen's, Kristen's having to argue with people every week to buy the shit. <laughs> yeah. To be able to sell it to you, you know? Right. So Kristen works, for everybody listening and watching who doesn't know, Kristen works at Gerhar's Equipment, where I used to work, and one of her many, many, many responsibilities there is to try and secure product. Correct, Kristen? Correct. So, yeah, I mean, it's fucking expensive as shit. I mean, Carmelita's is a client, Yeah. and she was styrofoam all the way, and, yeah. you know, two months ago, she was saying to me, I don't, want, I don't know what I'm going to do. The next least expensive option is quadruple the price. Yeah. You know? Um, there is... Aluminum foil, though, that people can go to. Yeah, right. I mean, it really depends on the type of food you're serving, but you're starting expensive. at double, triple yeah. foam minimum. So aluminum foil isn't as crazy as the other stuff. You mean the, you mean the containers, the aluminum foil containers? Yeah. Oh, the they're edge? crawling up too, though. Like the rounds with like the plastic. Right, right. But a lot of a lot of owners complain because too hard to want, work with. Well, they want people to be able to put it in the microwave at home. Right. And obviously, you can't with that. Um. I had, you know, Tony had this issue uh, in day one. I think they've solved it now. But when they first switched over, he was, you know, they were they're using like the nice biodegradable stuff. But they put 
hot meatloaf and mashed potatoes in it. And, you know, one thing with Tony is he was one of the first people on delivery apps around here. And they crush it with delivery apps. I mean, fucking crush it. And a guy ordered on Grubhub, ordered the meatloaf and the compostable, gets it home, and it's a congealed mess, you know. Um, You know, I think think they figured out how to fix it. But now you got to add in a sheet of paper or aluminum foil sheet or something and add another cost onto it. Right. It's just crazy. I could not ma- imagine being a restaurant owner today. No, it's me either. <laughs> <laughs> and she, I mean, she probably noticed now because that that was my conversation with one of these suppliers today. He goes, he goes, it's not even that I can't that you can't get it. I can't even get it. He goes, I can ask for pallets of this stuff, hmm. but I'm not even going to get it. Oh hmm. yeah. Now they just send me what they got. It's not even what I. I'm, I'm asking for, but I'm hoping that even gets that. Hmm. So, so he and he told me this three or four months ago because I went to see him um, to see what options are out there. Just because we weren't, we were kind of using our suppliers that service food. I'm like, maybe there's a different angle. Let's let's go right to the source here in Syracuse and see what options we have. Hmm. And he at the time said, you know, because I was looking for the white boxes. Yeah. I wanted to plain because all the pizza boxes here have. You know, best pizza in the world and right. stuff. And I don't want it. I just want white boxes, put our label on it, yeah. and send it. So we had to get that sourced out hmm. out of the state from somebody else. So we were buying in bulk just so we had enough. And um, I figured he may have it. So we went to him, and he didn't even have them. Hmm. But he was telling me in three months, we're going to have real issues here. And he was absolutely right. When I went to see him today, he was like, I'm not going to get this stuff. I said, I'm. I'm being honest with you. I'm not even taking on new customers because I can't even service the ones I have. Wow. Um, the only reason he even talked to me is I've done business with him over the 30 years. Yeah. You know. Hmm. So. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, during the pandemic, I, I was told you I was making pizza all the fucking time, and yeah, and uh, like two, at least two nights a week, I was making pizza, and I would always post pictures on my personal Facebook right. and Instagram. And we have this friend of the family who lives in Oklahoma. Um, my dad, you know, grew up in the, you know, owned restaurants and all that shit. Right. So, you know, so um, this woman would see me post pictures of the pizza and the bread. Like I was baking sourdough bread and making like butter and all right, this, right. you know, crazy shit. And I would post these pictures and she would always comment, you've got to open your own restaurant. It's in your family's blood. You'd be yeah. so good at it. And it would fucking piss me off because I'm yeah. sitting there thinking to myself, I want to wish this on my worst enemy. <laughs> like, I couldn't think of a worse thing in life than being a restaurant owner. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it sucks. No. Make no money. Yeah. If you're lucky, you make money off yeah. of it, which that's extremely yeah. rare these yeah. days. And you're met with, especially today, rising costs, limiting how you can do your yeah. business, when you can do your business trying to get customers in your door right especially right now a lot of them are terrified to go out to eat Mm -hmm. you know no way yeah put that in perspective like before it was just get them to now it's just getting to get them out of the house right (laughs) yeah you know there's people that have fear this that you know yeah you don't even think about who they are because you know you'll find your friend hasn't gone out and 
oh, three yeah. months because he's scared of it. Yeah. You know. Which I get it. I mean, before I right before I came here tonight, we had a uh, FaceTime with like my brothers and sisters, and we were supposed to go down to Kentucky for Christmas like the day after, and one brother in New York City got COVID, and his family did. Mm-hmm. So we had a delay. We were supposed to go. It was going to fly out tomorrow or Wednesday. And then another brother in Kentucky got COVID and his kids. So, you know, it keeps getting yeah. delayed. And COVID's yeah. bad right now. Yeah. People aren't seriously getting ill. Right. But people, a lot of people. Yeah, I hear a lot of people getting it. Yeah. Um, the issue is, in my opinion, you know, who's, go- who's going out to eat nowadays? I mean, yeah. I went and got a grilled cheese with bacon today for lunch. It was 13 yeah. bucks. Yeah. You know. Not everybody's going out to eat, I'm sure, as much as they used to because of pricing. And the ones that are are probably people who make decent money. You know, husband and wife, they each make 60, 70, But the crazy thing is get that thing delivered to you now. These guys. Oh, yeah. Young people are on these sites and they're ordering food. The food's 10 bucks and it costs them $30 to get them. Oh, yeah. That's what I don't understand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I have a different mentality. It's expensive. You know, it's one thing if there's a delivery fee in it and, you know, my local Chinese restaurant and they deliver and I give the guy five bucks, it's $20 worth of food. Right. He's two miles down the road. It's $5. Well, it's not the same when you put it up on one of these sites. No. As you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you're on Grubhub, I mean... I should do a story on that. I think the cheapest you can get something, food on Grubhub, if you're getting like a meal. Right. Um, 18 bucks. Yeah. 17 bucks for like a sandwich. Yeah. You know? um, we're about to start doing, I'm trying to find like the cheapest places to eat around town. And I found a $2 cheeseburger in Pompeii, which wasn't yeah. that bad. Yeah. Um, Tony at the diners got breakfast for two ninety nine. Yeah. Before seven, I think. I think he was one ninety nine at one time too. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, but we, you know, COVID hit, so we had to raise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> even he said that. Right. I'm trying to find. So right now, so if that's the case on a Tuesday, I could uh, uh, take away tax and credit card fees. So if I pay with cash, um, I could get breakfast and lunch for five bucks. Right on a Tuesday, I'm trying to find like somebody who has like a five dollar Tuesday dinner special. Right, know, something. <laughs> Something, and then I could, you know, do a little blog on how to eat, how you know, how to eat in a day in Syracuse. Go out to eat for ten bucks. And Syracuse.com. If you, I swear to God, if you steal that fucking idea and write that article, they're already on my shit list. Um, I don't know if any of them listen to it. Charlie Miller, if you're listening to this, don't do that article. Um, but yeah, man, it's expensive. It's really fucking expensive. Yeah. But my point was, people when they. When they know COVID is surging, the people who have the disposable income, right, who are spending the majority of money at restaurants, are also the ones that are thinking we should probably stay home more often. Mm-hmm. If COVID's rising, why go out to eat and risk it? Right. You know. Um, so I think that the issue right now is two years ago when this was happening and restaurants were closing because staff were getting COVID and all that kind of stuff. People, the message was support local. Don't forget about your local businesses and your local restaurants. Order takeout, yeah. get delivery, mm-hmm. you know, keep them. Nobody's saying that right now. Everybody's just saying COVID's rising. We're all scared, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And so there's just no corporate message of get out there and support local. It's important, more important now than ever. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. But we lost a lot of restaurants last year. So. Yeah. I mean, if, I don't think if you changed the direction of some of your businesses, you could survive it. You yeah. Know? I, this is, you know, in my opinion, I don't think we lost enough. I, yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen more. It's very cynical. Yeah. I, <laughs> I have to agree with you. There. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are some places that uh, Three Lives in downtown yeah. is a great, like, I, I you know, uh, John, people were taking bets during the early days of the pandemic on how long before they closed. And that guy figured out a way to pivot and change and keep his business open. And today I think has one of the best restaurants in downtown in terms of experience and branding. Mm -hmm. Um, just phenomenal. And then there's other places that shut down forever, you Mm -hmm. know? And, uh, I was surprised that there weren't more that, you know, shut down really surprised. Yeah, well, I remember he wanted to try to open. Yeah, with the with the games. Oh, yeah. Because, but then there was a, a kind of a similar kind of ideas he had. I think it was in Albany. They shut him down. Yeah. So, so he called us. I, I don't know if you know this. I did his license. I facilitated oh, did his license. Okay. So I do state liquor licenses yeah. with a with another buddy of mine, and me and Brett when did his, and he was calling Brett and like, hmm. what should we do? You know, can we do this? Yeah. And uh, fortunately enough, he didn't try to play the game because a couple of places got, you know, shut down. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That, well, that restaurant in Albany called him in. Uh, you know. Yeah, did that, yeah. It was three lives opening night. Right. And they were people were on Instagram, you know, stories playing video games. Yeah. The barcade in Albany saw it, called the state and said, how come we can't have our video games, but Syracuse right. can? And so then the state liquor board called John and said, you can't play video games. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately, the liquor authority was the one calling all those shots back then. Right. So you could get. And that's why you had to be scared. It wasn't. I may have taken a chance if it was local. Right. Um, But when you, you know, you screw around with New York State. Yeah. You know. Your liquor license. they, they They hold your life. Yeah. You know, that license is. Is how you. You make your living. You're done. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, look at Adam. The places got closed over that. Oh, fuck yeah. You know? So. Look at Adam Weitzman. I mean, you know, with his history, he couldn't get a liquor license. A restaurant in his name could not have a liquor license forever. Mm -hmm. You know, it took him a shit ton of money to get that lifted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could be really fucked. Hmm. Or you just go into another state and do it. Yeah. Like. Smarter people did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> smart yeah, people, the smart people move out of New York. I mean, listen, I'm a far cry from needing to do this for tax purposes. Yeah. You know, I haven't figured out how to charge properly for my services. <laughs> Having said that, I've been listening to these financial podcasts of these like content creators yeah. that are making millions of dollars a year. Right, right. And they're all moving to Puerto Rico. Right, right. Or Texas or Florida. Right, yeah. You know. Uh, but the big ones are moving to Puerto Rico right, right. to just save a shit ton of money. Right, right. Make their lives easier, you know, <laughs> instead of staying in New York. Honey, we're moving. Yeah. 
Uh, so if you could do it all over again, do you think you'd you know go this route of being in the restaurant industry? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But I, the thing of it is, is every time you think you want to get out of it or you're out of it, it's if you like it, it's it's kind of one of those businesses that that takes you over. Yeah. You know, because yeah. when I even when I was out of it, I was like, man, this is so life is so easy. You know. Yeah. Um, but then you see something and you're like, I just love that spot or. Yeah. I'd love to do that there, and you know. And then once you're in it, you go, holy shit, I can't believe I'm doing this again. You know. So what years were you in Orlando with, with the restaurant? Uh, eight, 16 through like 18. A okay. couple years I was down there. Yeah. It's still there. Um, and it's, a, it's two people out of Syracuse that have it now. Is it the same guy that I met, the meteorologist? Buddy? No, that's my buddy Rob. But, Rob, okay. Uh, we, I had a buddy of mine um, that's from Syracuse that bought me out. Um, but the girl who actually came to bartend for me was a Syracuse girl who oh, came to really? management. So it was kind of weird because she came in for an interview when I wasn't there. Huh. And she was from Syracuse. She goes, she knows you from Syracuse. I'm going, so she told me, she was like, yeah, well, tell she's got the job. So <laughs> she's now with the, one of the owners with, oh, wow. with my other buddy. And um, it, it's a gr- it was a great spot. In fact, it was such a good spot. The guy I sold it to... Um, it's overlooking the amphitheater mm. in the city proper, wow. right? And then if you were in Orlando City, yeah. in fact, when they show Orlando City, they show Lake Eola, and I sit right there. Hmm. Um, in fact, when they show, I don't care if it's Black Lives Matters or any kind of those events where they're showing in Orlando, oh, yeah. all the marches, they're right in front of my bar. Really? So um, it was just a pavilion about the size of this room. Oh, wow. And it was like, this, it was for Andrew, like this may be a great spot for just a little hmm. dessert and wine bar. Huh. And so we put a bunch of different beers and wines and some desserts and played some music, and it was kind of cool. But once I took this place over, I was like, you know, I can't kind of be both places. Yeah. Um, so I stayed here, and I sold that to kind of invest into this place. Um, and would I do that again? No. I would have stayed in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in hindsight of what's happened in New York State, because yeah. you know there's a, it's a lot more. You know, my oh, buddy yeah. Rob, Orlando. who you met, is yeah. in is in uh, Fort Myers, and he's like, nobody's wearing masks. We're all having a ball here. Yeah, he's sending me pictures, and yeah, and uh, I like that kind of freedom. You know, yeah. this is kind of I get frustrated because I'm a pretty healthy guy, so yeah, I'm dealing with a brother-in-law. He they may be even listening. Uh, he's a doctor in hmm. in Italy. Um, oh, wow. He lives in Lake Como, but. His practice is in Italy, and he was in right in that part of Italy where it really got affected a lot. And he's hmm. personally gotten affected from wow. COVID. Yeah. Um, he's he sustained a lot of respiratory issues from it. Hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to change my life just because I know somebody that's had issues with it. Right. You know. Yeah, I have friends that moved to Myrtle Beach not like just a few months ago, and uh, they went down there. I think in the spring on like a yeah. week vacation found this community that was being built like this brand new suburb housing prices were cheap yeah and they bought fucking house while they were down yeah. there and came back and hey we're moving and yeah. uh they just moved into their house at christmas time it got finished being built but yeah they were saying like yeah nobody wears masks down here everything's just there's yeah. 
Like it's not even a thing to talk about possible right. restrictions. You know, and that's my frustration. Today, just today, I'm walking into my coffee shop that I go to every yeah. morning. I was I, I probably built one of their stores from yeah. what I've spent in the twenty something years they've been <laughs> in business. And I have my mask down a little bit. Yeah. And the gentleman, who's the barista, yeah, young guy, is asked me to put my mask over my nose. Hmm. At the same time, every half hour, he's outside smoking cigarettes. <laughs> in fact, he's not even behind the, the cafe bar because he's outside smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, you're worrying about me, but you're smoking a cigarette every five yeah. minutes here. So, I mean, I my my one of my favorite stories, and my wife was listening to this who just recently told me that I pick on her too much in the podcast, but it's still one of my favorite stories is like the right after restaurants opened from the first COVID shutdown. Right. We went downtown to Oh My Darling for dinner and Anna, who's the general manager yeah. there, who I know, um, was, was there at the restaurant and Rebecca and I had parked like, you know, it was the early days down. Nobody was out anywhere. So right. we parked right in front, you know, I walked from here to you to get into the door of the restaurant mm -hmm. and my mask was down under my nose and my wife has given me a hard, like seriously a hard time, like pull your mask up, pull your mask up. And I'm just like, no, it doesn't, it's fine. It doesn't matter. So as soon as we walk in, Anna's there. We haven't seen her in a few months. She's never met my wife before. My wife right. has no idea who Anna is. Right. But Anna gives me a big bear hug and then gives my wife a big bear hug. And I'm like, as soon as we sit down, I'm like, really? You're mm -hmm. worried about my mask under my <laughs> nose, but you just hug the stranger who you've never met before. Right. Like, um, so, but yeah, I mean, they are annoying. You know, it, the, the, the well, I find it hard to, I mean, mostly in the restaurant business, mostly when we had to wear them. Yeah. And cooking in the kitchen. Yeah, I could not imagine. And being around that kind of heat, yeah. it was ridiculous. You had to wear them at the yards over the summer, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, she was at the yards, you know, on the line and, you know, fucking slammed. Restaurant just opened. Right. It's a destination for summertime, and it's the summertime, so they're crushed. Right. And it's, like, tiny back there, right? Uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too tiny. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I can't imagine being in any kitchen wearing it. All the time. But, uh, I mean, you know, it did. I I mean, I will say this. I, as, as annoying as they can be, I don't mind it. Yeah. Only for the fact of last January I had COVID for yeah. two days. I didn't know it at the time because the place I was working where there was a mass exposure, they decided not to tell any of the staff that there was a mass exposure. Mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't know it, but I had been exposed but to like a dozen people who had it. Right. So I had it and I was in a meeting with four other restaurant owners sitting like in a space like this. But I, for some reason, just kept my mask on. None of them got COVID, right. even though I already had it right. at the time. So I'm OK with that. The things that piss me off about the masks are New York State. Now there's a new rule. You have to wear your mask indoors across the whole state. Right. So it scares the shit out of people. It scares the shit out of re yeah. customers because they're yeah. saying, okay, if there's a mandate, then like I was saying earlier, yeah. maybe we should stay home more often so they're not spending right. as much money as they might be. So there's that issue. Restaurant owners are saying, well, fuck, uh, you know, now I have to do a mask or I have to do this vaccination check. Um, am I going to get in trouble if I'm not wearing a mask? Right. And then the county and the state come out and say, eh, we're not going to do anything about it if you're not wearing a mask. 
Right. It's a rule. You have to, but we're not going to do anything. You know, right, it's just, right. those are the things that piss me off about it. Um, and I'm not even really that affected by it. Yeah. It's just, I know what effects it has on people like you. Yeah. That, you know, most people don't even want to come out because they have to wear a mask. Yeah. You know? All right. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have gotten vaccinated if it wasn't for them allowing us to not have to wear the mask while we were yeah. working. Right. I wouldn't have done it. I yeah. mean, that, obviously, people are still getting COVID when they're vaccinated. So. Yeah. My sister, yeah. <laughs> so, and, I, and I had gotten COVID. Right. So My sister in Nashville, she had COVID in July and then just got it again. So she's unvaccinated. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, most people I know who, who've gotten it recently, they're not seriously ill. Right. You know, the worst I've heard is like, it's like a flu for two days. Right. They're fine after that. You know, they're quarantined, but they're back. Life's back to normal. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people right now are losing smell and taste, at least of the yeah. 50 or so people. Yeah, I, know I haven't it. heard. I've heard a lot more people getting it, but yeah. it's been weak. It's right. just. So that's a good. couple of days. Yeah. You know. Um, I think I'm going to go get the booster because I'm supposed to be teaching a um, video production course out at Casanova Community College this semester. And um, from what I understand, in order to be a student or faculty member there, you have to have your booster shot as Mm -hmm. well. So I'm going to go get that. I wasn't going to, but, you know, whatever. Um, But, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a crazy fucking time to be alive. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I'd love to, th- I, you know, I, I, when I think about the business in places like Florida and I, you know, I think it's great, but I fucking hate snakes and alligators yeah. and <laughs> lizards. So I'm never going to live in those places. Well, I, you know, when we talk about what the difference is, I mean, it was just a lot more fun. I think we just had a lot more fun and it wasn't that long ago. You're talking yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, um, hmm. the liberty of, you know, a little so, more, you know, I call it debauchery. I mean, people were having fun. People yeah. were partying. It's a very and it wasn't, world. you know, now you're seeing everybody, you know, you don't even see kids sometimes. They're just popping pills and staying home. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, people were drinking back then. Yeah, you know? back then at least they came out to yeah, they drink. get in trouble. Now, now they're just staying home. Yeah, now they're coming out at 1 o'clock in the morning after they pop pills or something. They're just staying home. <laughs> That's such a great yeah. reason as to why <laughs> the difference. <laughs> you know? Over the last 20 years. They used to do it in public. And, and, and and you know, and probably you've got your dating sites, your Facebook, yeah. and you know you get consumed with that stuff. You're not really, you know, it's easier. It's easier behind hide behind the phone than yeah, go meet somebody and yeah, for sure. A, you know, bar or oh yeah, what have you? You know, I've had a, a client recently ask me like, if there's other marketing besides social media to do, but there really isn't anything that's effective today. You know, and it's probably what audience you're trying to reach. You know, if you're trying to reach seventy-five yeah. year old people, yeah, you know, use a post standard, right? <laughs> yeah, I, and even my, I think even my father, mother probably is still on social media. You know? Yeah, I mean, my parents have Facebook, is, so, yeah. <laughs> and they're eighty-five. Right. So. <laughs> so if you could snap your fingers today and. Uh, move pump pizza to any state or any location, any city to operate in, do you think you'd go back to Florida? I don't, Florida's too warm for me. Is it? Maybe the Carolinas. Yeah. Florida's hot. 
Yeah. Florida's good if you, if financially you can live. Look at New York's a beautiful state. Yeah. It's just fiscally fucked up. Right. Let's be real. It's expensive too. I've traveled a lot of New York in the last ten years because because of doing facilitating oh, yeah. licensing. I was telling you. Um, so I've gotten to travel from Messina to hmm. the Hamptons, Mantock, and yeah. you know Shelter Island, and hmm. you know all those areas. I've been up and down Long Island and the city hmm. to, and you know you can see the movement. I've been in Utica the last couple months. I probably did eight restaurants in Utica, hmm. all Bosnian. Wow. You know, so that Bleecker Street that used to be all Italian is, they're yeah. the new Italians. Yeah. They're buying up all that stuff and they're fixing them up. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's beautiful here. Yeah. In certain times of the year, of right. course. And if you like the snow, there's areas in New York that are real nice as well. I just don't like to ski and, yeah. you know, I played indoor soccer. I didn't ski. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that the opposite time of the year, you go to Florida and you right. know, when you're getting that, maybe you're getting as low as 80s and yeah. 70s. And yeah, that's nice. nice. But, you know, Orlando is miserable in the summer. Really? Too you hot. Know, too, way too hot, hmm. you know. You know, then there's people say, well, if you're next to the coast, it's a little cooler and stuff. Well, how cool does it get? Yeah. You know. Rob, who you know does weather, sending me pictures and it's eighty something degrees in Fort Myers. That's still hmm. hot to me. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Central Texas for a little for a couple of years, and <clears throat> I visited California and everywhere from San Diego up north to Redding. And I was in Redding, California, on the Fourth of July when it was like a hundred and sixteen fucking degrees outside. Yeah. I mean, it was it was yeah. awful. Um, just absolutely awful. Like, I think you could handle the cold more than that kind of heat. Yeah, for sure. Because you can at least bundle up and get warm. Right. But, and I will say, San Diego is gorgeous. San Diego, they, they say that's like the best weather oh, in the country. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. The yeah. dead of summer, it's, you know, 85 degrees, yeah. 86 degrees in the, the day and down to 70 at night. You know, right, it's right. gorgeous. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, if you could, oh, if you could... Snap your fingers and turn pump pizza into anything. You think you'd keep the same concept or would you change it to a different concept? No, because I really actually believe in our concept. I think I think the one thing that we have going for us is that we're different than most pizza shops. Okay? Because you can actually get food. Yeah. If a husband and wife want to order food for their kids, they can get a New York cheese pizza. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't want to do the deep dish. But they can actually come in and get a chicken franchise or, yeah. you know, or a milanese or, or a veal dish or, a fit, you know, because we do run specials. Yeah. So you're not going into a place that, listen, I, I don't care where you go eat in this town. The one thing we have is the same thing as they've been doing for years because that's what I did. Right. I just brought it into a more casual env- environment. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Um, What's a place that you're going out to eat a lot? I mean, well, if I don't go time. out that much to eat because I'm always working. But when I did go, was able to get off, like, I would go see Charlie Roman's place. Delmonico's have yeah. a steak there because I, I think he does a really good job with it. Yeah. You know, and Brian that's there as the manager, he's, you know, they, they're, they're professional. I haven't been there in years. Um, I need to get there and check it out. I just started going recently to uh, 
Thai village in the village of Liverpool. Oh, yeah. Which was the appetizing. And, the, you know, it was pretty good. Yeah. You know, um, hmm. I'll go. I went to uh, eat Indian food. Yeah. I mean, I'll go to different places. Today, I I went to get a banh mi sandwich at the, I'm buttering up there in the corner. Oh, that, that's the best. It's town. the great sandwich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that place. She does a really good job. Yeah. You know, and I, I was making it myself, but it, it wasn't sound that great because I taught myself how to do the same thing. I, yeah. I take the part of the sandwich. I want to see what the, I mean, I mm. have an idea what they do. Yeah. Um, she has a couple, she has more of an American version and, and yeah. a real, you know, yeah. version. But uh, they do a good job there. Yeah. You know, nothing fancy. No. Can't not even at all. eat there now. Right. So. Oh, you can't? No, she can't even eat inside. Oh, but wow. Took it home. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. So. Um, theirs is good. So is the Vietnamese noodle house in North Syracuse. They make it kind of a good one. Up, up, uh, up on uh, Route 11. Okay. Almost like right that little. It's pl- in a plaza, right? Yeah. Okay. I've never had it there. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's more. Um, you can tell, like, it's like fresh jalapenos and stuff on yeah. it, you know, for the spice. Um, the one at, I call it Kai Dune, but a friend of mine who's Vietnamese told me it's pronounced Ving Dong, that place on Butternut. And uh, I don't know, I think it's really fucking good there. The one on the corner of Butternut? Yeah. That one that I went to. Yeah. yeah. I used to play an illegal poker game right next door yeah. to it. <laughs> and now uh, two doors. It was a church. It's in the same. You know, yeah, it's same. Yeah, it's attached to it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And now I think it's a church, but yeah, yeah. I think it was Fat Jamie ran that game, and uh, I played there once. I played there once, and I won like six or seven hundred bucks, <laughs> and uh, cashed out early. And I thought I was gonna get fucking shot because I cashed out early because I won. Right. I won pretty quickly, so I only sat at that table for like an hour. And I was like, "All right, I'm out of hey here." Guys, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. I thought people were gonna fucking lose their mind, but I was like 21, yeah. 22 years old at that time, really into gambling, playing poker. Yeah. I was at the casino a couple nights a week and playing online and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, you know, I went in there, and you know, there's dealers and. Right. There's a kitchen and they're serving food and right, right. all of a sudden some dude walks in with a duffel bag full of yeah. bootleg DVDs. And, right. You know, I mean, it was just, it was wild. <laughs> and uh, and I used to play an illegal game at, in the back of O'Day's up on Tip Hill. Right. And, uh, and I played one I played one week, had a really good time. And then the next week I decided not to go for some reason and they got busted by the cops. Right. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, everybody get out to Maddie Dale and check out Pump Pizza Pub. Well, there it is, everybody. Thank you for checking out this week's episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you do, then consider subscribing to whatever platform you're listening to it on. Just, that just means that you'll be updated the moment a new episode is released. You can watch these episodes on our YouTube channel. You can find us on Discord. You can visit our website at eatlocalnewyork.com. You can purchase your Eat Local New York card there. And you can also download our Eat Local New York app where it'll show you all the participating restaurants on the Eat Local card. Well, again, thank you so much for listening. We're going to catch you next week right here on the Eat Local New York podcast. <laughs>